0: Father, thank you so much for this day and for these who are gathered here to hear this word. We pray that as your word is preached, it will be heard, understood clearly, loved, so that Christ might be accepted trusted, adored, obeyed, and given glory here in this room as He will forever and ever. We love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, bear with me as you hear a short portion of quite lengthy message. The achievements, it says, of our enemy, excuse me, of our army, navy, and air force in this venture are expressive of the highest military qualities. The navy executed the operations assigned to it and later on the transport of troops against an enemy possessing tenfold superiority. All the units of our navy covered themselves with imperishable glory in this action. Only after the war will it be possible to disclose the difficulties encountered in the campaign, such as setbacks and accidents. We finally overcame all difficulties thanks to the conduct of officers and men. The Air Force, often the only means of transport and communication in this vast area, surpassed itself. During the attacks on enemy ships and on disembarked troops, it could hardly be praised more highly, more highly than the tenacity and the courage of the transport pilots who, in spite of bad weather, kept on flying in the land of the midnight sun in order to land soldiers in blinding snowstorms. The foreign fjords were graveyards of many enemy warships. The enemy fleet had finally had to give way before the incessant attacks of our dive bombers. Regarding the army, great demands were made on soldiers during transport. Division after division followed in a steady stream and began war operations in a region which provided exceptional facilities for resistance. The region was defended very, very bravely. As for the enemy troops which landed, the only thing worth mentioning was the unscrupulousness with which troops so badly equipped and trained and with such sorry leadership were put ashore as that expeditionary force. They were inferior from the very beginning. On the other hand, the achievements of our infantry, engineers, artillery, and other units will go down in history as a proud example of heroism. Later in the speech continues, the success of the most tremendous series of battles in history of the world is due to the German soldiers. Soldiers who have proved again their worth in a convincing way in every battle in which he has fought. All branches of the German people took an equal share in this great achievement. Chancellor of Germany, Adolf Hitler, in 1940 in a speech entitled My Last Appeal to Great Britain, a great empire that will be destroyed. It would be difficult for us to measure the distance between Hitler's grandiose ideals and reality if we did not have our own experience of it. For what truly makes any man or any woman so much different from Hitler? Is it not simply the measure of his, aban- of his ambition? Is it not simply the extremity of his self-abandonment? the fixation of his passion, an appetite which was so less easily appeased. We are tyrants, each in our own right. Hitler is not the example of what a few men are like at their worst. Rather, is an example of what every man might be, if unhindered by other passions. Hitler was not without an adoring and obedient people. The words now are laughable to us. Forgotten in history. The imperishable glory of our navy. The imperishable glory of our navy. Imperishable? Friends, I would like to Preach to you from Revelation chapter five today the imperishable glory of Christ. Christmas, if it is anything meaningful to us, is centered around an interdimensional attack on mankind's attempt at personal, imperishable, self centered glory. Christmas, Christ's birth, is heaven's reconciling, man's attempt at personal, self centered glory. We have to ask ourselves this morning what do we really want? What do we really want? Deep down in my heart, in my soul, what do I want? What do I love? What do I cling to, way down in my soul? What do I want more than anything? Is it for people to like you? You get disturbed, you get angry, or, or somehow sideways, when people don't like you. Do you want people to praise you? always giving you affirmation, extol all of your ways. You want more people to follow you, more followers on social media, more people siding with you at family dinners this year maybe. Are you fit to be tied because the people around you will not more often acknowledge that you are right? You know everything. You know how it ought to be. What is it that you really want? Friends, this is a question that we might not be able to answer so easily. Perhaps a good practice for you this afternoon would just be to go to the closet, go to your desk, go to your bed, pull out a piece of paper, and about 15 to 25 times in a row, just ask the question, what do I care about and why? And why? And why that? And why does that matter to me? And why does that matter to me? And why does that matter to me? Why is that goal so important to me? What do I actually get out of that? Why am I giving these gifts? Why do I want these gifts? To what end? What do I think I will get if I get what I want? Like getting beneath the earth's mantle to see tectonic plates in our own hearts? What erupts from your mind? What erupts from your heart when you encounter crisis? Or when you are squeezed? Or suffer loss? If you ask Why, often enough, will you eventually come to the answer? Deep down, what I want, what I treasure, what I love, is Christ. And all of His imperishable glory, Him, that's deep down in my heart and my soul. What I want to do today is show you the imperishable glory of Christ, help you love it, and remind you and show you how you could live it. See the glory of Christ, come to love it, how to live it. When Hitler began the speech in 1940 that we mentioned earlier, he began by saying, I have invited you here with the intention of appealing once more and for the last time, he says, to common sense in general. This was Hitler's appeal. Common sense. <laughs> well, that is part of the problem, I think, isn't it, for us in seeing the glory of Christ. The glory of Christ is not recognized, nor is it found, reasonable by common sense. It is much greater than that. The glory of Jesus Christ is an indictment on our sense of things. In order to see the glory of Christ, the plan and the rule of Christ, John is given and he gives the church revelation, a vision of heaven, abnormal heavenly knowledge, which is not common to our sins. The glory of Christ is beyond the realm in which we operate, in which we see, which we feel. There's a twofold glory that is shown in Revelation 5 about Christ, and the first is the cross. In Revelation chapter 5, look at verse 11 through 12, then I looked and I heard around the throne living creatures and the elders of the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, a countless sea, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. That's the song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, wisdom and might, and honor and glory and blessing. What makes Jesus worthy of glory? He was slain. That could not be more opposite than our common sense. Common sense glorifies conquering, not crosses. It glorifies blue eyes, blonde hair, strong jaw lines. Glory is in authority, in power, not sacrifice and crosses. But Jesus' glory forever in heaven is that he was slain. Hitler is our glory is that we have slain our enemy, Christ. My glory is that I was slain for sinners. What is so glorious about Jesus being slain on the cross? It is not that crosses are glorious events. Rather, you were slain and by your blood, it says a few verses ahead in Revelation, you, by your blood, ransomed people for God. It was a most humble transaction. The blood of the Son of God was, for a people for God. Jesus' death on the cross paid the debt that every sinner and enemy of God owes. We have boasted in God's face. We have told God to keep His mouth shut and we will go our own way. All of our sin, whether it is lying or cheating or stealing, coveting, wanting God's world without wanting God. Every sin is a shaking of our fist at the authority and the reign and the holiness of God. Jesus' death on the cross paid the debt that every sinner owes God. And that is the political anthem of heaven. That is the victorious singing in heaven. That is what is glorified forever and a lamb was slain to secure a people in heaven. And so forever the glory of Christ, the imperishable glory of Christ, is the glory of dying on the cross for sinners. His glory is also His reign from the throne. Look at Revelation 5, verse 13 through 14. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. See how the glory of Christ is imperishable. It is shared. Glory with God Himself. In Revelation chapter 4, we saw a picture of God on His throne. Now Christ is there next to God on the throne and is receiving equal glory and honor and blessing with God the Father forever. His glory is imperishable in His ruling reign as the Son of God over heaven and earth forever. Jesus can never die again. He has raised from the grave. His place at the throne of God, His rule by the authority of God is unremittable, undefeatable, and unchangeable. So glorious is the glory of Christ. So complete is the glory of Christ at the throne that it says every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth give Him glory. Glory. It is not a glory as one who won some battle and claims some portion of a field or a sea. It is a glory that consumes the whole earth. Creature, every creature in heaven and earth, give Him glory. It is the glory that consumes the whole earth. A glory that does not have any room for any other glory. The glory of the cross... Him him crucifying for sinners, the Lamb slain, and the Lamb at the throne of God are imperishable glory, having risen from the dead. It can never be taken away. And it is a glory which will fill heaven forever. How might we come to actually love this imperishable glory of Christ this Christmas? How might we come to love the imperishable glory of Christ? You may be looking at this season and you are already hoping that it might in the future or might today or might tomorrow somehow help you revisit some awe, some glory. Feel something from outside yourself it captures your soul, makes you feel something again. Even just a taste of old fashioned sentimentality would be enough to break rhythms of loss, trial, and hard work and routines. And here we are talking about the glory of Christ. How can you come? This Christmas to be moved and in awe and revel in the glory of Christ. For one, we need to recognize it's not a glory that makes sense to us. Everything about Christmas, as much as it is about Christ, is upside down. All the glory, all the power, all the fullness of God, their present and an infant child, in a manger born of a woman. It is a glory that is almost too close and too real for us to accept. It is human. God became a man and dwelt among us. He lived as one of us. It is almost too real to help us gauge how glorious it is. Reality, I think, sometimes frightens us away. Like a light that is too bright. It's a glory that's too close to bear. But Peter says in Second Peter 1.16, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's His birth, His life. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty this word about Jesus Christ, it is no good for us if it remains in the category of inspiring stories. Children's stories. Christmas stories. If they are but inspiration and are empty of glory and the Bible is not claiming to have this kind of glory, some inspirational story. The Bible is a record of the God-man dying on the cross to save mankind rising to rule from heaven, from the cross to the throne. I want you to see that it is the glory from God being born as a man, living, dying on the cross for sinners, raised from the dead, to be seated at the right hand of the Father, is the glory of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 shows the connection between the cross and the throne being the glory of Christ. Philippians 2.8 says, being found in human form, speaking about Jesus being born as a baby. Being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. Therefore, therefore, Because of that humility, because the fullness of God dwelled in him, yet he did not consider it a thing to be grasped. We saw this the first week in our Advent series. Therefore, because of his death on the cross, he's highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. As we saw in Revelation 5. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why is Jesus exalted to the throne? Why is heaven and earth bowed down to Him in Revelation 5.13? Because He is the slain Lamb in Revelation 5.12. Seeing the glory of Christ is not simply hearing the historical events about Jesus' life in the manger, but it is coming to see Jesus Himself as God crucified for our sins, seeing Him as revealing light to us, seeing Him as emanating glory because He was so great and so full of God in His essence and yet He died for our sins and He raised. And so, because of that service and obedience, even death on the cross for our sin, He is exalted to the throne forever. That's glorious. Glorious great problem in mankind is that we don't want to see his glory. We don't want to on our own. We want to live by common sense. while the glory of Christ is revelation. As John has given a revelation of the glory of Christ, so each of us in our hearts can only come to glorify. And glory in Christ when it is revealed. By having our eyes opened and seeing Christ's glory. Seeing Him as glorious. Not only seeing facts about His life and acknowledging there was a man named Jesus and He was born and He died on the cross. But seeing it as glorious. Naturally, commonly, our senses are blind to this glory. Glory. Here's how we can come to revel and to appreciate and to love the imperishable glory of Christ. Look with me in your Bibles to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 36 through 43. John 12, verse 36 through 43. John's going to help see why it is mankind do not love the glory of Christ, particularly the Jews in this case. John chapter 12, look at verse, starting, you can start with me in 37. Though he, that is Jesus, had done so many signs before them. Healing of the lame. Raising girls from the dead, raising Lazarus from the dead, feeding 5,000 miraculously, walking on water, calming the waves. Though He had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in Him. So, the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, Isaiah said, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm, the strength, the sovereignty of the Lord been revealed? You see that? The the glory is a glory that must be revealed. Though they had seen so many signs, they could not see. See? Saw the signs, and yet it seems to be a fulfillment of Isaiah that he wasn't revealed to them. As if it was to say, look, there's a, a great light. Jesus and his miracles. Look at the light that he is doing. And everyone says, What light? What are you what are you talking about? What do you what are you saying? I don't see any I don't see a light. That's how John 1, 9 through 9-10 describes Jesus coming into the world. Jesus, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. His birth and His life, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. So people saw the light, they saw His signs, and yet did not believe. The glory of Jesus Christ is not Merely, not merely, of this world. The glory of Christ is in the world. He came to the world. He was born. He was placed in a manger. He lived. He did many signs. He died on the cross. Yet even seeing it did not mean you could see it. If you want to live a most boring, dull existence and have a most Gloryless Christmas. Then sit around and try to see the world through common sense, and enjoy your Christmas tree and your songs about eggnog. I'm going to enjoy eggnog. Live by common sense. Live accord. Look around the world according to common sense. Look for glory. Look for joy. Look for fulfillment, according to just common human fleshly sense. Common sense is a new way of saying, perhaps an old way of saying, what we are now saying in our generation, self-revelation, self-will. If you want to know what it is to join Hitler, just say, I've come to appeal to you based on what is only common sense. If that's how you want to live your life, I don't want to see any glory revealed to me from God. I don't want to see beyond what I can see. I don't want to actually have any light shown to me about spiritual things. Then here's what I would say to you. Don't be chicken. Go all the way. Take that as far as it will go reasonably in the world and in history. Don't be shy about it. Go ahead, get online, type it in, and join the Satanic Temple. Become a member and give financially. The purpose of the Satanic Temple, an organization all across America and the world for that matter, has a purpose to encourage benevolence and empathy, rejecting tyrannical authority, the irony Satanic temple's purpose is to advocate practical common sense. Oh, you know what is right. You know what is wrong. You can see. You know the truth. You know. You know. Everything is self-evident. The world is self-evident. Truth is self-evident. Morality is self-evident. You don't need anyone to show you anything. It's a common sense. It's a barely... Veiled way of saying, don't try to see or listen or hear or trust anything or anyone outside yourself. You are wholly knowledgeable of everything that is good and right and glorious in the world, all entirely in and of yourself. It's common sense. You don't need glory revealed. You don't need their seventh tenet which says we reject the authority of any written word. That's the seventh tenet. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. The satanic temple worship doesn't just say worship Satan. It says listen to common sense. And therein lies the breadth of of satanic worship which is opposed to the imperishable glory of Jesus Christ in our society. Whatever is good and true is obvious to you in your tuition, whatever is reasonable. And I'm here to preach to you and beg you to consider something, someone so wonderful and marvelous and heavenly and eternal beyond you and me and us and what we can see and what actually is making this world go round. The babe in the manger and the man on the cross are more glorious than common sense has the capacity to consider its glory from outside of us shining on us, revealing to us glory of Jesus Christ. And what if in Instead of trying so hard to shine light on the manger of Jesus' birth and the cross in order to try to see it, to apologize for it, and to defend it, and to prove it, we just look and see. It is light revealing to us. Jesus is revealing glory. His glory is surpassing all mankind's common ability to make sense of life and is calling you and beckoning you to be serious about glory and see it beyond what you could ever see with your own eyes here on earth. The death of Jesus on the cross and His resurrection from the dead to reign on the throne forever and forever and forever is the emanating Light-giving, revealing, imperishable glory. See it by seeing Him. But you will learn, if you encounter the glory of Christ, you will be forced to make a trade. You will have to trade. There cannot be two glories, two kings, There's only one throne. The fundamental shift that must take place in the human heart for us to be reconciled back to God, to be saved from our sin, is to see and to savor the imperishable glory of Jesus Christ crucified for our sins, recognize it as glorious. Recognize it as our hope. Confess our sins because God has come as Christ to die for us. See it as glorious. Confess our sin and say, that's glory. That's glory. And I submit myself to it. And I confess my sin, my lying, my cheating, my stealing, my giving gifts just to make myself feel better about being benevolent. Or what keeps... Mankind from truly glorying in Jesus Christ. Continue reading in John chapter 12. Therefore, it says, they could not believe. They saw, but they couldn't see it revealed. For again, Isaiah, that Old Testament prophet, a long time before Christ said about those who would hear Christ, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. And look at John chapter 12, verse 41. Isaiah said these things because he saw His glory and spoke of Him. That's Christ. Isaiah saw the glory of Christ and yet spoke they won't see. What is it in reality that keeps us from the awe of Christ at Christmas? What is it in the way of our relishing in the imperishable glory of Christ on the cross, exalted to the throne? John chapter 12, verse 42. John 12, 42. Isaiah saw these things. He saw the glory and spoke of Him. nevertheless, many of the authorities believed in Him. They believed in Christ. But for fear of the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. Here's what was in their way. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. All the glory of the cross, Jesus' suffering, His blood shed for sinners, all the glory of Jesus exalted to the throne. They wouldn't trade it because they wanted people to like them. They couldn't trade for Jesus' glory, the glory of the cross, His exalted glory in heaven forever, His imperishable glory. They couldn't take it. They couldn't accept that They would not love it. Why? They wanted people to to like them. You'll have a moment, if you have not already had it this season, where you are wondering if there's any affection. Is there joy? Is there real glory? Maybe it's a moment at night in the next few days when you put your head on your pillow or first thing when you wake up in the morning. Maybe it's a quiet moment to break from conversation on the road when you're traveling. Maybe it's the busiest time of the next week. Wrapping paper is flying everywhere. Dinner table is filled with conversation. And somehow for you, everything just stops. And you're left with a question in your mind. What is really so wonderful in the world? What is really so glorious? And the question will be not just, is there something glorious in the world, in existence? But would you trade for it? Would you give up your glory? Would you deep down in your heart say, I'll let go of my glory. I'll confess all my sin and all glory in Christ who came to shed His blood for me. I will glory in Christ who raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father where He will reign forever and ever and every creature in heaven and earth worships Him. This is how you do that. Glory in the cross by seeking forgiveness in grace. Remember that forever in heaven we will worship Christ because He was slain. Glory in the cross. Let the cross of Jesus, where blood was shed for you, warm and enlighten your heart and your mind. And in those moments, and in every moment, and every day, and for eternity, glory in Jesus Christ crucified for you in your sin. There is nothing more warming to the heart than God as His own Son coming to die for your sin sin. Accept it and love it and trust it by trading your glory and letting him have it. Let that be your favorite Christmas song. Song sung in heaven. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Glory in the throne by submitting to the eternal King. Glory in the cross by seeking forgiveness. Glory in the throne by submitting to the eternal King. Friends, if you've become a Christian, our lives ought to look Christ-shaped. We cannot sing, Worthy is the King on the throne and disobey Him. We cannot worship Him and not want to be like Him. If we see His glory on the throne as the risen Christ, means that we live in service and worship of Him. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. He laid down His life for them. Wives, submit to your husbands as the church to Christ, creating a beautiful picture of humility and worship, and sovereignty and gospel. Children, Obey your parents. Employees, submit to your bosses. Work toward them like you would work toward Christ himself. Church, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Live in harmony. Seek peace together. The glory of Christ being the key which we sing together. The words that come out of your mouth, let them give life not destroy, not tear down. Speak truth, be gracious, be gentle. When it comes to you and what you're going to be doing this Christmas, what you're going to be doing this week, what you're going to be doing with your life, if you've come to glory in Christ crucified and raised and resurrected to eternal reign in heaven, forget about your life. Abandon your life. Become about others. Become a servant to all around you. Be prepared as a Christian to pay cost to loving others. You might find yourself thinking this season, it's been a difficult year, it's been expensive being a Christian, been exhausting. We're not done laying down our lives. We're not done exhausting ourselves for Christ until we are made new forever with Him. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. These are all commands from Jesus in the New Testament through his apostles. Why? Because they're shaped like him. They're shaped like the glory of the cross being the exaltation to the glory of the throne. The disposition of our lives show whether or not we glory in the cross of Christ and the Lamb who was slain and is worthy of the throne. The slain lamb is the exalted lamb. The slain lamb rules from the throne. And that is ours to worship and participate in. As imperishable glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. For your word for hopefulness that we have in Christ, for glory that is in Christ. And we pray that you would help us see with hearts, with minds, with souls, the light of the glory of Christ crucified, raised to reign forever. And we pray that you would help us see it and love it. Help us submit to it. Help us mimic it. And everything in our lives, when we find ourselves in breaks or in moments of clarity this week, or pondering this week, I want you to help us come back, remember the imperishable glory of Christ being born, crucified, raised, and reigning, and that that is the imperishable glory that will never go away. That we can revisit over and over and over, for strength of heart, for warmth of our affections, for thankfulness, for awe, because it is imperishable glory. Help us see it. Help us love it and live it. In Christ's name.